Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you this morning. Welcome. This is our 185th anniversary weekend, and we've got some special things planned this morning. First of which is to hear from Naya and Alicia Merrill. They provided a concert for us last night, and they're going to do some music for us this morning, and they're going to get our service kicked off with a song. Naya, come on up and lead us this morning. Well, it's great to be able to be here to celebrate what God has done here at this place. We're going to stand together and worship together, singing a medley of songs about our great God together. We'll start out with, Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. The splendor of a king, the splendor of the king. Hold in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. Lift your voices. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. And age to age he stands, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end, a Godhead three in one, what are they? Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb, sing it out, how great is our God.
singing. You may be seated. Good morning, and welcome to First Baptist Church of Wixom. This weekend, we are celebrating God's blessing on FBC Wixom for 185 years, and we're glad you decided to join us. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. VBS is June 19th to the 23rd from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Students ages 4 to 12 can be registered at fbcwixom.org forward slash VBS. Plan to join us for this fun outreach event. There will be a brief VBS workers meeting today after the morning worship. All VBS workers are asked to attend this helpful meeting in the cafe immediately after dismissal. If you missed the mandatory CPP training for all volunteers working with children, there is one last summer opportunity for you to receive this training next Sunday morning at 945 in the cafe. All VBS volunteers and weekly children's workers must have attended one of these CPP training events. Please see Johnny Martin with any questions. Just a reminder that there are no community groups gathering tonight or next Sunday. Community groups will resume on Sunday, June 25th at 6 p.m. If you'd like to sign up for a community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. In just a few minutes, we'll be dismissing children four years through third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Reminded while I was watching the video announcements, if you'd like to participate in a love offering today for the Merrills or for Brother Aaron Coffey, who'll be preaching today. You can do so online, going to our website and going to the Giving tab. 
Um, or you can just mark an envelope, drop it in the box at the back here, and we'll make sure that gets to them. We want to encourage those that are here ministering with us this morning. As I mentioned earlier, this is 185th anniversary weekend. We had a great time yesterday. If you missed the events yesterday, you missed a real treat. Started the morning with a 5K race and a kids' fun run, and then a picnic last night, and then a concert last evening, and we just had a really, really sweet time of fellowship together. I was going through the hamburger line yesterday, and somebody said, hey, Pastor Brad, how did the race go for you? And so I told him I was trying to build up my marriage, and I was crossing the, trying to cross the line at exactly the same time as Mari. And um, one of our young men turned around and looked at me with a smile and said, actually, I checked the results, and Mari beat you by a second. Um, so you might want to step up your game. I think she might have cheated, stuck her leg across the finish line a little early. But we had just such a great time, some racing, some just fellowshipping and walking. And we just had a really, really wonderful time yesterday. Thank you for everybody that worked so hard to do all of, put all of those things on. Our kitchen crew, the Fosters and the Didens, who always do such a great job with our food. Thank you for that. And Jeremy and his team for the race. Just a really wonderful time together yesterday. Hard to believe, 1838 was when First Baptist Church of Wixom began. That was before the Civil War. That's a long, long time ago. You might remember the story that uh, Alonzo Sibley, who owned basically all of this land around here as farmland, uh, deeded a part of the cemetery, what is now the cemetery, uh, for the building of a small church building. And that building was actually later moved down the road to where Wixom Elementary is at, and then uh, you might remember the history in 1963 or so, ground was being broken here for the Noah's Ark Auditorium, the old auditorium at the north end. That was finished in 64, and then the Sunday school building was built in 68. This auditorium was built in 72 to 74. And just a lot of things the Lord did there during those 10 years on this property. And uh, then, of course, we've seen the Lord bless since then in just remarkable ways we're so glad that you're part of our church family right now. But one of the things we like to do on Anniversary Sunday is just look back briefly at some of the previous pastors that have served here. And I, I reached out to the, the three men who are still living, still with us, and asked them to um, send a greeting to you this morning. So I just want to give you a couple of greetings. First of all, an email from, from Pastor Gene Krakenfels. He says, we're grateful for the 20 years the Lord allowed us to be a part of the ministry at First Baptist of Wixom as a member, then as an assistant, and then as the pastor. We've had many wonderful memories of our time there and continue to pray for God's blessing upon you and the church. It is both a privilege and an honor to have served the Lord in a church which has maintained its testimony for the Lord for 185 years. And we trust that FBCW will continue to uphold the name of Christ until he returns. That's from Pastor Krakenfels, uh, who pastored here from uh, 2000 to 2011. Pastor Ed Kays, Ed and Marion, uh, were here from 1957 to 1963, and they are in the Chicago area, and they're still going strong. They're, they're amazing. Um, they're like one of those ageless couples that just keeps on going. And uh, they've sent a greeting. We're going to watch here in just a second. And then Pastor Wiggins, who pastored from 1993 to 2000, he also has a greeting for us today. Guys, would you play those? Thank you. Hello, dear friends at First Baptist in Wixom. 
Though we do not know each other, we are most happy to be a part of your 185th anniversary celebration. I am Edmund Case. I was pastor at Wixon Baptist from 1957 till 1962. We had good years at Wixom. Before we arrived at the church, the church had already purchased the Porter property on Maple and Wixom Roads. Together we were able to build the first unit of the new church for $100,000. The church grew as uh, more people from Wixom and beyond came to know the Lord. Marion and I are now living in the Windsor Park Retirement Home in uh, Carroll Street, Illinois. We thank God that he has given us so much more than we have ever expected in our old age as we wait for Jesus coming. Hello, friends. Lynn and I send our greetings to you all. Pastor Stilly, church staff, school staff, deacons, and all of the congregation. We trust you all are doing well and experiencing the grace and peace of God as you joyfully walk with him and serve him. We think back fondly on our years there at First Baptist Church, 1993 to 2000, nearly a quarter of a century ago now. We love seeing periodic Facebook posts from the church and various individuals. The reports of God's continued working in your midst and throughout the community are a great blessing. The Lord has kindly blessed our family. Christina and Benjamin are both grown with families of their own. Christina lives in Massachusetts. Benjamin lives in Texas. Our youngest child, Joshua, graduated last May from Bob Jones University and was married last June. He will start his MD studies next month at the University of South Carolina Medical School at Greenville. We're currently living in north central Massachusetts, right on the New Hampshire state line. We live on the same farm as our daughter and her family. In my spare time, I keep busy caring for the livestock and helping with other farm chores and maintenance. I've been serving in nearby Fitchburg, Massachusetts, since April of 2020 as the pastor at Beth Eden Baptist Church. I know this is the anniversary weekend marking the completion of the 185th year of ministry there in Wixom. It is a wonderful milestone to celebrate the Lord's kindness and the faithfulness of his people there at First Baptist Church of Wixom ever since 1838. We wish that we could be with you all to fellowship in person, but we rejoice with you and will covet your continued prayers as you think of us, our family, and the ministry here at Beth Eden Baptist Church. Ironically, our church is also celebrating an anniversary milestone this weekend, our 130th anniversary. And in a few weeks, Lynn and I will celebrate our 43rd wedding anniversary. Take care. God bless you all. Isn't that a blessing? I know some of you don't know those men and their wives, but I think we can agree together we're grateful that we get to kind of sit on their shoulders, right, and uh, continue ministry that they led for some time, and I greatly appreciate them. Um, you might not realize this, but several of them follow our ministry very closely. One of the blessings of Facebook, both the school ministry, sometimes Sue Warren will text or call and say, hey, I just watched the girls' volleyball game. It was awesome, you know, and they stay connected with us as well. So just grateful for these faithful ministers. 
Um, happy to have you here today. Looking forward to a wonderful time together this morning. Let's start our time together with a word of prayer, and then we'll have the Merrills come and bring some more music. Father, we're so grateful for all you've done for us. We want to just thank you, first of all, for Jesus Christ and all that we have in him. Thank you for bringing us out of the kingdom of darkness, as your word says, and into the glorious light of Jesus. Thank you for uh, allowing us to have your word in our language that we can read and memorize and meditate on and hear preached. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for um, the men and women who provided sacrificial leadership in this ministry for the decades preceding. We're grateful that we get to build on that foundation that has been laid so faithfully for us. Thank you for these pastors that we've heard from this morning and for their kind um, care for this ministry ongoing. We're grateful for that, and we pray that you would bless them and encourage them. Thank you for um, the music that has lifted our hearts to you as we've sung already this morning about our great God and, and the Lord, your incredible power. Thank you for the tradition of this church to gather every Sunday and open your word and hear it preached and respond to it, and we ask that today you'd help us to do that. Thank you for Aaron and his friendship to our church, and we ask your blessing as he brings the word today. May you be glorified. Lord, would you please, by your grace, um, do what you've done for thousands of years. Lord, show us your mercy that is everlasting, your righteousness that extends from generation to generation. Lord, help us today to see you for who you are and remember your works and glorify you and recommit our lives and our ministry to serving you in the future. Lord, may this day be a platform from which our church will do more and grow more and pray more and reach our community more effectively with the gospel. Thank you for the lives that you're changing even now through the work of this ministry, and we ask that that would continue. Please help us today to glorify you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
majesty evermore shall be the earth the skies the seas shall bring you praise have you stand together as we sing. One songwriter put it this way. They said, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. Wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned to unclean. We'll sing the first two verses and then the chorus will follow.
is an almighty God. And we come into his presence today with singing. I trust that the joy of the Lord is coming out of your mouth from what's revealed in your heart there. And we're in his presence to be able to sing to him today. God almighty, I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. I touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Sing that chorus again. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Your mercy flows like a river wide and healing comes from your hand. Suffering children are safe in your arms. There is none like you. Sing the chorus again. There is none like you. Do you believe it? No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Amen. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. He's a great God. There is none like him. And we were drawn to an old hymn that's called Our Great Savior. And it talks about saving, helping, keeping, loving. He's with me to the end. And sometimes those those old songs, you hear the melody and you just kind of go on autopilot and you start to just kind of sing the words and they don't mean as much. So we wrote, we wrote a new melody for this and hopefully the words will come in a new way called Our Great Savior.
promise of God's presence is so, so wonderful to know that he's with us through whatever it is that you walked into these doors with today. Um, I'm so excited to be able to serve the Lord and that we can be here together in this place, um, thinking about one day all of us together around the throne in heaven singing praises to our great king. It's going to be a wonderful day. Uh, Until then, we get some practice, right, as we're down here. And I was reading just recently here in Revelation chapter 5, and I want to read this um, as we do one last song before Pastor comes to share, Pastor Coffee. And so we find ourselves in Revelation there, Revelation chapter 5, and John is getting revealed to him what's going to happen in the end times. And so he's writing down, he's there on the Isle of Patmos over in Greece, um, which just a small plug, we're getting ready to head over there. We'll be leading a tour in March of next year, if you didn't hear that last night. And if you've always wanted to go see those places where Paul ministered, we'll be going up to Philippi, down to Corinth, Athens, over to Patmos and Ephesus on a cruise. So we'd love to have you join us on that trip. But he's over there in Patmos on the island, and we pick up here in the throne room of heaven. It says, Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Is anyone worthy? Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. that you could see it all made new we do it's all creation groaning is a new creation coming is the glory of the Lord to be Light within our midst. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? 
Someday soon, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for that beautiful reminder that he is worthy. Well, most of you have been through what we call our E3 Starting Points class. And if you've ever been through that class, at the very end of E3, we do a three-week class that we entitled Discipleship 101. How many of you have been through Discipleship 101? Would you raise your hand? You've been through that? All right, about half of us. At the very beginning of Discipleship 101, I tell a story about being confronted by a guest speaker on discipleship and me being completely clueless in my answers about discipleship. I just 
early on in pastoring did not really understand the importance of a discipleship-oriented church ministry. And Aaron Coffey was here preaching, and he sat down in my office, and he talked to me about it, and I was, it was a whole new world for me. And that conversation started really a pivot in my understanding of how church ministry is supposed to work. I know some of you have really grasped this idea of church philosophy, and I'm praying that all of us will soon. But that really began, the Lord began that in my heart with a conversation with Aaron Coffey, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, Aaron's been a friend to our ministry and a personal friend to Mari and I. It's good to have his wife Stephanie and a couple of the kids here. Thank you for coming today. And we're so grateful to have him here. Aaron also happens to be one of my favorite preachers. So when we were thinking about uh, anniversary weekend, I emailed him and said, please come join us for a special weekend. Now, we just had ankle reconstruction, so try not to be distracted, but he's got a pretty cool apparatus on this morning. You kids might want to check it out after the service today. But Aaron, would you come and bring to us the word of God? We're excited to hear you preach. Thank you for your friendship and for your influence on me and on our ministry. God bless. All right. Well, this is the first time I have uh, preached since I had my surgery three weeks ago. And uh, so we'll see how this goes. Hopefully I don't fall. That might be a little distracting. Um, Anyway, we are thrilled to be here. Um, uh, I don't know about you folks. My heart is so full already. Man, we have a Jesus who is worthy. I don't know if that uh, if you just sat through that and it did not move your heart. Something I wonder if something's wrong with your heart, because um, we have a Jesus. He's the only one who could open that scroll. He's the only one who could make us reunited with our with our creator. Uh, he he is alone, the only one who could do that, and he is worthy of all honor, of all worship, of all praise. Um, and that was awesome. And uh, I'm so thankful to get to preach right after uh, singing with you folks and, and just worshiping our Lord together. Um, take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter four. Yeah, I don't hope. Uh, I do hope that you you can kind of ignore this. I might sit down every once in a while. They put a stool up here for me, and uh, so I'll see kind of how this goes. I mean, I've been working. I had a few moves I was working on with this thing, and uh, but um, I was going to save that for uh, a little clogging class I was doing later. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, this is all new to me, so we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I did have to have just a reconstruction on my ankle and. So far, so good, I think, but I'm having to spend the summer. I can't put any weight on my foot or I'll mess up what they did. I got all kinds of pins and screws and stuff in there as they had to to rebuild my my ankle. And so uh, just a little bit of of a different pace for me. I don't sit still very well. Pastor asked if I just wanted to sit the whole time. I'm like, well, I can try. I'm just not good at sitting still. I kind of like to to move around uh, while I'm speaking and so uh, I put some, uh, I have a sock on. I totally destroyed the sock. It's not supposed to stretch this big to go around my cast. And uh, anyway, my wife goes, hey, that's my sock. I'm like, oh, sorry, babe. Uh, it's, no, it's not any good anymore. But anyway, I wanted to cover my toes. I heard a guy not too long ago. He said, the older I get, the more my toenails look like uh, Pringles potato chips. Now, mine aren't quite that bad, but I did say, think I would deliver you from having to look at my toes wiggling while I, was, uh, while I was preaching this morning. Okay. All right. Let's get serious. Philippians chapter number four. Can I please just give you a quick, um, 
overview, maybe you've heard before that there is a theme that goes throughout the book of Philippians. I think there's a couple themes. But one of the themes that goes throughout the book of Philippians that I think maybe we hear of um, is really the theme of joy. Maybe you've seen a book on joy that kind of focused in on the book of Philippians. And reason because is, is he says the word joy and or rejoicing really over and over and over again. We find this word multiple times. And, um, and the thing that's unique about it is of all people who you would think might not have joy, it might be the guy who's writing this. Reason being is his name was Paul, the apostle, but he was in prison. He's in prison, um, and, and yet in the midst of his persecution, in the midst of his situation, you can't miss it, folks. If you read this book, he's, he's on top of the world. He says in chapter 1, I don't know what's going to happen. They might kill me. So what? If they kill me, I get to see Jesus. If they leave me, leave me here, I get to live for Jesus. I mean, you can't threaten me with, with heaven. And he's just on top of the world. And he just keeps talking about joy and rejoicing. And another thing that's interesting about this little four-chapter book, it's about 75% autobiographical. So Paul, God's under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's purpose and plan was this, that God was, was actually going to use Paul to, to really give himself as an example of what it looks like to have joy, but not just joy in general, but really joy specifically in the midst of trials. And I want to ask you a question today as we jump into this passage of Scripture. Is it possible that you're sitting here today and the truth maybe is that you've lost your joy? In the midst of life, in the midst of trials, in the midst of relationships, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of pain, sickness. Um, folks, you know what? We, we, we can be fairly polished. We show up. We smile. But maybe on the inside, we're actually really struggling. And could it be that, um, that you're struggling holding on to joy this morning? And so I want to look at what was the source of Paul's joy. What is it that allowed this man to sit in prison with, folks, I'm telling we'll look at it a little bit. Nothing. He had nothing. He had relationships who were stabbing him in the back outside, talking about him. He's got... Um, he said, I used to have a lot, now i got nothing. But actually, i got everything. I'll get to that. But here Paul is, and he had joy. And so I want us to look at chapter number 4, and we'll, we'll start with a very familiar verse. Um, that uh, We'll work our way all the way down through verse 13, but we'll start in verse number 4. And I'm just going to read this verse, then let's pray together. But, but you know this verse. And actually, it's given to us not as a... Not, this is important. You ready? It's given to us not as a suggestion. Ooh, why don't you try this? See if it works. Okay? It's not given to us as a, as a suggestion. It's actually given to us as an imperative. It is given to us as a command, Christian, for you to obey that Jesus who is worthy. Are you ready for the command? Rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear him the first time, he says it again. And again I say, rejoice. Can we pray? Won't you pray? Won't you ask God to help 
help you. Let's, let's pray that God helps all of us to really evaluate, take inventory of our hearts. Have we lost our joy? Are we looking to something to give us joy that's never going to come through? Can we pray? Father, please help us. Lord, we're going to look at your word and we need you. Father, we need you. Lord, to help us find our joy in Jesus Christ because everything else will fail us. And Lord, I pray that you will um, help us to be obedient to this command. To, to, to find our joy in you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So it's one thing to receive a command that's at the level of our actions, okay? So um, you're told to do something, you know you got to do it, you just go do it, okay? It's one thing to receive a command that's at the level of just go do this. That, that like, uh, uh, it's another, it's another, I'll explain that, it's another, um, a whole other thing to receive a command to do something that's at the level of a little more of your emotions or how you feel. Like, for instance, uh, my son, he's not with me today, Asher, um, but uh, my, my son Asher, he's 13, one of his jobs around the house is to take the trash out. Now, I can look at Asher any time and say, hey, son, hey, cut it off, push pause, um, go take the trash out. You know what Asher's going to do? Man, he's going to do it. He's going to push pause. He's going to put it down. He's going to stop. What he, he's going to go do it. He's going to go do the task. But now, folks, it's a whole nother level of a command for me to look at him and say, hey, bud, hey, pause it, turn it off, um, go take out the trash, and I want you to have joy while you do it. That's a whole other level. I mean, um, the command that God gives us to be thankful is very similar. Like, uh, it's, he's, he, he commands us to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God. It's hard to, it's hard to be thankful when you're not feeling thankful. Well, one of my other sons, when he was much younger, uh, Liam, he was a little guy, and he had one Christmas, he had this... Uh, this one present he wanted so bad. He, I mean, it's all he, he had other things he wanted, but he had this one present he could not wait for Christmas. Man, we go down to North Carolina where my parents live. He gets to grandma and grandpa's house and there is this present under the tree, perfect size. It says to Liam from Papa and grandma. Man, I mean, in his mind, he just knew this was the present that he wanted. He, I mean, he had others. He didn't care about them. It was that one. Now, we got this rule. You don't pick them up and shake them. You got to leave them alone. We get there, you know, two or three days early. He's just in torment waiting for that present because he just knows that it's this toy that he wants. And he cannot wait till Christmas morning to open Now, uh, to open it. You know, I couldn't wait till Christmas morning to watch him open it because I actually knew that it wasn't what he thought it was. Yeah. Terrible! I couldn't wait to watch. That's, that's horrible. Anyway, it was it was there. It was under there. We got it for him, but that wasn't it. And he just was so convinced it was. Man, we get to Christmas morning. We already almost torture our kids to death because when we sleep in a little bit, no, 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 don't get up so early. You know, we eat breakfast. We read. The, got to keep the main thing. The main thing. We read the story. Finally, we get around to opening some presents. Man, he gets this package. He rips it open, and it's clothes from Grandma. You can just see it all over his face, you know, oh, downcast my soul, you know. And I looked at him and said, hey, bud, hey, you go tell Grandma, thank you. And he walks over to Grandma, thanks, Grandma. (laughs) I mean, he did the action. He's not feeling it. Hey, you know what? It's It's hard to truly be thankful 
when you're not feeling thankful. And you know what, folks? Uh, likewise with this command, it's hard to truly rejoice. I'm not just talking about you put on a smile. We can all do that. I'm talking about you're truly rejoicing. It's hard to truly rejoice when you're not feeling like rejoicing. But folks, I'm just telling you, this isn't a suggestion. It's a command to be obeyed. So what I think Paul does over the next several verses, and we're not going to be able to handle every nuance of this text, but um, from here down through um, through verse 13, I think he gives us several areas of life in which we tend to struggle. We tend to lose our joy. This is what he's going to do. He is going to show us, well, I think there's actually a little bit more, but we're going to look at three different areas in which I think the average person tends to lose their joy. It just, we tend to lose our joy. But I think what he does is, is he is showing that for a true believer, for a true believer, the very areas of life in which the average person tends to lose their joy. Listen, folks, these are the very areas of life in which we don't lose our joy. We prove our joy. That actually our joy is found in something better. So, so let's look at them. We'll, we'll start in verse number 5. Verse number 5, he, he brings up, he, well, he, he says this. He says, Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, um, he he brings up at the beginning of this chapter a couple ladies, okay? Um, In verse 1 and 2, he kind of alludes to a couple ladies who maybe had some conflict in the church, and he's telling them, hey, let's work this out. Um, I, I don't know if he's referring back to that. Um, but he is, he, he, when he uses this word, let your moderation be known to all men. What is the word moderation? It's a word that means, um, let your, your gentleness. We find this same word translated in James chapter three. The same Greek word is translated gentleness. It's very akin to the word patience. It's the ability to handle other people's, um, on one side, there are quirks and their idiosyncrasies, but then at the same time, it's the ability to handle other people's sin. It's a it's a response word. Um, it's a you have you have action words, but then you have reaction words. Like for instance, in First Corinthians thirteen, that great chapter on love, the Bible tells us that love is kind. You know what kind means? It means you initiate, you move towards people with acts of kindness. They, 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 they it's not a matter of them deserving it. It's not a matter of them earning it. It's not a matter of. It's just plain and simple. You. If you have love in your heart, then you're going to show acts of kindness towards people. It's an action word. But then it also says that love is patient. Now, the word patient is a reaction word. The word patient, you know what it means when, love is, when it says love is patient? It means that you're going to have to deal with people that are hard to deal with. It means you're going to have to respond with patience to people who are, maybe they're really quirky and they drive you bonkers. Or maybe they just flat sin against you. And so, so it's, it's a reaction word. 
Love is patient. The, the King James word is, is long-suffering. You know what it means to be long-suffering? It means that you suffer for a long time with these people. Um, folks, listen. This word is hand-in-hand hand with that. This word that's translated moderation, it is a response word. It's talking about your reasonableness, your gentleness, your patience. Let it be known to all men. That means in all of your relationships, your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, your supervisor, your church family members. In all of your relationships, let your response of gentleness and patience be known now let me tell you why this is so important because there's no doubt about it what he's talking about is that that you're responding to people who who be it their idiosyncrasies be it their you know their whatever be it their sin against you they're actually hard to deal with let me ask you a question i want i how many of you in this room right now have somebody who you have to deal with on a regular basis that just rubs you wrong? Now, don't raise your hand. You know, they might be sitting right beside you, so just hold tight. Um, folks, isn't it a true statement that we have a tendency to lose our joy in the midst of hard relationships? In the midst of our marriages, in the midst of our parenting, in the midst of siblings, in the midst of coworkers. I mean, maybe today if I ask you the question, hey, do you have joy today in the midst of your relationships? Man, you're looking around, you're like, hey, man, I'm with my biological family. Man, I'm with my church family. Man, this is great. Man, I got joy today. But all you have to do is think about the people you have to deal with at work tomorrow. And your joy just goes flying out the window. But he says, no, rejoice or find your joy in the Lord. Not sometimes. Not just at church on Sunday. He said, always. All the time. Folks, many, many times in the midst of our hard relationships of life... We tend to lose our joy. Relationships are hard. You know why relationships are so hard? This may blow your mind. Did you know that every single relationship that you have, listen close, is with a sinner? You know what sinners, you know what sinners do? Blow your mind once again. Guess what they do often? Yeah. It's just a matter of time, gentlemen, before she does it again. Ladies, it's just a matter of moments probably. The question isn't, are people going to sin against us? You know, get a hard hat. It's coming. It's, are we going to love and forgive? Are we going to be full of, of this gentleness and patience that it's talking about? Because let me tell you something. If you're going to live life being one of those people who's easily offended, but I tell you, don't you, don't you sin against me. You've got a rough life coming. And you can forget it, you can kiss your joy goodbye. In the midst of hard relationships, Paul says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. 
Can I, can I just say something quickly? I, I think sometimes we tend, we tend to, um, uh, relationships let us down because sometimes I think we look to relationships to do for us what God never intended for them to do for us. And I, I want to be really careful with this, but I, I want to be very truthful. Um, did you know that God's plan for your ultimate joy was never to be found ultimately in a spouse? I mean, I, I, I think your spouse should bring you joy. And I hope that your spouse does. I, you, you, you take me and, and Stephanie. Um, my wife, uh, she's sitting right over here. Uh, we traveled together on a ministry team uh, with a man named Steve Pettit, an evangelist. And I, I traveled I traveled for a year, and then um, my second year, I traveled with him for three years. My second year, my, um, Stephanie comes on the team. I'm single, she's single. Man, I'm like, whoa, I like that girl. Man, we're singing together. We're doing ministry together. We're working with teens together. We're working with children together. And man, I, we, that, that was that was a problem on the team. Um, there was a no dating policy. Um, thankfully, there wasn't a no marriage policy, so it worked out okay. But um, <laughs> but anyway, we we start liking each other, and I mean, man, we 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 get permission from Brother Steve, and we we start we start you know moving that direction, and um, and then when we finished up after after my third year, we got married. But as I'm going along, I'm just man, I am in my mind, I am going to sweep this girl off her feet. I am going to be to her everything she could ever hope for. I, hope for. I was going to be her joy. And then we get married, and boy, has she been disappointed. You, you want to know what Stephanie Coffee needs? To be her joy? Man, she needs somebody so much better than me. Um, a, lot, a lot of parents look to children to be their ultimate joy. And folks, listen, did you know that God never intended for your children to be your ultimate source of joy? And in fact, listen to this, can I, can, and just, you want to put a weight on your children that God never intended for them to bear? You look to your children to do for you what only Jesus Christ can do for you. They can't bear under that. Your children are going to let you down. Folks, we have to find our joy in the only place that true joy can be found. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says as he sits in prison. Let's look at verse number 6. I know that I'm kind of, I'm not going to be able to handle every nuance of this, of, of this text here and every little part. But um, verse number 6 says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto, unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. The word careful, be careful, it means it's a word to, to be worried or to be anxious. I think the word anxious is a great word for us to use. Um, we live in the day where um, the word anxious or anxiety is so prevalent. Um, in the midst of... Uh, a world that the, 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 so much is spoken about how anxious and how much anxiety that there is. Um, 
uh, folks, he says, don't be anxious. But instead, pray. I think... um, uh, I, I think just a really easy way to think about this is, uh, is I, I, I really think the word worry, being full of worry. What's worry? It's when you're just so preoccupied with the concerns of this world. Man, we got decisions to make. We got stuff going on. We have, we have trials. We have um, this interpersonal conflict. We've got just stuff. I think, I think just in general, okay, so just a little bit of overlap because in the midst of hard relationships, he says rejoice in the Lord. But then I think just in hard circumstances in general, whatever it is that would cause you to be careful or anxious or worried. I wonder how many worriers I have in the room this morning. You don't have to raise your hand because then I'd have to raise mine. I don't want to. Um, Worry. Um, it's It's the preoccupation of the mind fixated on fixing things that you just can't fix. You know what? I'm a typical male. You know what men do? We fix stuff. Man, I grab a hold of things and I squeeze the ever-living daylights out of them until I fix them. Um, You know what? Starting about 15 years ago, God brought four little people in my life that I have been unable to fix for some reason. And the worry and the anxiety and the, the fear and the struggle... That so many times comes, you know, folks, let me tell you something. I don't care how hard you try unless unless God wills it. You cannot fix your finances. Folks, um, I I don't care what we do. There are interpersonal conflicts we cannot fix. Folks, our lives are layered with things, and they cause us so much fear, so much worry, so many times, so much anxiety. I remember, um, I remember, I was teaching at a school. I was doing an in service at a at a at a school, and um, a whole week of different sessions and different things. And I was kind of bringing a spiritual emphasis into it in the midst of lots of other things they were talking about. But one of the mornings, they asked me to do a morning session on prayer. They asked me to lead. It was a thirty minute session on prayer. I was going to kick the day off. Um, we, we were. Uh, I was supposed to, you know. T- teach for 10, 15 minutes in prayer, then we're going to take the remaining, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes and, uh, and, and spend some time in prayer. So I landed on this passage. I thought, man, what a, what a great passage. Instead of being full of worry, pray. Um, I, uh, I, I remember um, uh, I, I had the, uh, the, the secretary to go through the room and put these little pieces of paper out that just gave them a place to write. And I was going to ask this question, what are some things you're worried about going into a new school year? What are some things you're anxious about? What's some things you're fearful about? A bunch of teachers going into a new school year, um, new students, new stuff. I'm like, surely they got fears. Surely they got things that they're anxious about, worried about. And so the, 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 the challenge was going to be write them down, three, four, five things, whatever it is. And then here was the question. Are you ready for the question? Um, what do you do most about the items on your list? Do you worry about them or do you pray about them? I thought it would be a good challenge. So I got up early that morning. I thought, well, you know, let me get up. I'll just spend some time with the Lord. I'm like, let me uh, go through it. Surely uh, if I'm going to put these teachers through it, let me go through it. Surely I'm like, God, help me here. Surely I can uh, come up with uh, two or three things that I'm worried about um, that are on my mind. And, um, you know, I want to identify with these teachers. So uh, let me, uh, Lord, help me here. Surely I can come up with two or three. Folks, I start writing and writing 
and writing. They are, they are flying off the end of my pen. It's like I opened this little floodgate. I didn't even realize it was dammed up. Sixteen items later. I mean like that. Sixteen items later, I'm looking at my list. And, and you know what? They, they weren't like dumb things. They weren't things I could just ignore. They weren't things just like, oh, stop it. That's stupid. Get over it. They weren't stupid. They were legitimate. They, they kind of fell under four categories. They had to do with, they had to do with some financial things. They had to do with some, some of our ministry decisions that had to be made. They had to do with some health stuff that had to do with my kids. Some health stuff that had to do with my parents. They were legitimate things that I had to, as the leader, I had to deal with. They weren't stupid. They were legitimate. But they came flying off my pen, 16 items that were just weighty, worrisome. And I remember, I, I, remember I, I went back inside and I was, I was finishing getting ready. I remember I'm standing, I was so bothered how quickly they came flying off the end of my pen. And I remember, I remember, um, I'm, I'm getting, I remember staring at myself in the mirror while I'm brushing my teeth. I come up with three more and I'm up to 19. Okay, so here, so, so I still had time. So here was the exercise. Okay, here's the exercise for the teachers. So I come and I say, God, okay, here it is. Here's my question. What do you do most about each of the items on your list? Do you worry or do you pray? All right, God, how do I do here? Let's see. Item number one. What do I do most? Worry or pray? Worry. Item number two, God, what do I do most? Worry or pray? Worry. Worry, worry, worry. Folks, God smote me. I feel like such a hypocrite. And, and can I tell you something? Did you know that I, I, I pray? I actually, it's a part of my life. It's a discipline of my life. I do pray about these things. But here was the question. What do you do most, worry or pray? Most. My friend, I wonder if you sat down and you pulled out a piece of paper this afternoon and you just tried to open that floodgate. I wonder how much is dammed up in your life and you don't even realize it. I wonder how many would fly off the end of your pen. Just concerns, just things you've got to do. And I wonder if you asked yourself the simple question, God, what do I do most? Worry or pray? Folks, let me just tell you something. Here's what he's saying. You, you can kiss joy goodbye. If you're going to live life constantly full of worry, fear, anxiety. As I heard an old timer say one time, what, what, what Paul is saying here is instead of wearing holes in the lining of your stomach with your ulcers, why don't you wear holes in the knees of your pants? Do you pray as much as you try to fix things? Do we pray as much as we worry. Listen what happens. Okay, listen what happens. Verse number 7, to a person who instead of being full of fear and worry and anxiety, they pray. So here's verse 6 into verse 7. Let's look at it together. Verse 6, be careful or anxious, worried about nothing, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And listen what happens. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen to what that says. Okay, if you will be someone who instead of being full of worry and anxiety and fixing everything, 
you actually are someone who, who rests and prays. He said that what happens is you're actually got, something's going to enter into your life. It's called the peace of God. Now, now listen, the peace of God. We all would say we want the peace of God. But, but then I used to get this wrong because then, then it says, and the peace of God which passeth understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word keep your hearts and minds is talking about it will build a garrison and a fortress around your heart and around your mind in Christ Jesus. Now this is, I, I used, I, this is what I used to think that meant. I used to think that it meant, okay, if instead of being full of worry, I'll pray, then listen what's going to happen. The peace of God is going to come into my life and the peace of God is going to do something. It's going to pass understanding to me. Understanding is answers. Understanding is what am I supposed to do next? Understanding is, um, I want understanding. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. So God, I want understanding. Okay, so if I don't worry, instead I pray, then the peace of God's gonna come and give me understanding. That word passes is actually not that. What that would mean is the word passes is like, you know, the quarterback takes the ball and he passes it to someone. Um, God, I need your peace to come and give me answers passes answers to me understanding actually that's not what the word passes mean if you see in some some modern translations it's actually not passes and actually i think this is better the greek word is actually it's a word that means it goes beyond it surpasses understanding now listen what that means if you will be somebody who instead of being full of worry and fear and anxiety you actually are someone who is filled with prayer, then the peace of God is going to come into your life and it actually goes beyond understanding. It's better than understanding. Have you found in the midst of your trials that you don't always get all the answers? God has something better for me and you than all the answers. It's his peace. His peace is what Builds that garrison and that fortress around your heart and around your mind that allows you to have joy even though maybe everything around you seems to be falling apart. When he talks about the mind, and I want to do this quickly because I don't have time to totally go into this, but I would be out of order if I didn't just totally ignore verse number 8. Folks, verse number 8, I don't know if it has become a blessing of a verse to you in your Christian life. I would say that for me, it has become an overwhelming blessing. Um, I love, it, it is a reset verse for, for, for me. It is a verse that God has used in my, mind, in my heart and in my mind over and over and over again. Because actually in verse number 8, he commands us, now listen to this, he commands us what to think about. I think we lose the power of the command because it's at the verse, at the, it's at the end of the verse. He says, if there's any of this, 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 he says, then think on these things. And so actually the way it's set up, you don't feel the imperative till at the end of the verse with quite as much punch, but it's actually we're being commanded to think this way. Um, and so look, look what verse number eight, and he brings up the mind. He brings up what we think about. And he says, so verse seven, he says that the peace of God will build a garrison around your mind and your heart. And then in verse number eight, he brings up what we're supposed to think about. And I think it's so important because I think so much of the battle with worry and so much of the battle with anxiety and fear, I think so much of it is our, the battle of the mind. 
Folks, our minds are, are unbelievable. At the same time, I think our minds today have been so sabotaged by the things of this world. Um, I mean, look at verse number 8. It says, finally, brethren, finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, here's the command, think on these things. Um, Our minds are absolutely out of control. And this world around us is not helping us. Um, I, I, so I told you I traveled with a man named Steve Pettit. Steve Pettit is a Steve Pettit is an is an incredibly self disciplined man. When it comes, uh, he was a, a cadet at the Citadel, the military school of South Carolina. Um, just uh, when it comes to his personal daily um, disciplines of life, he is, I mean, uh, one of the most disciplined men I've ever met. Okay, I'll never forget, I was at a church with him. I don't remember where we were, but I came into the church one morning. Uh, we all would come in at 9 o'clock, and I, I, he was already there. And, um, and I came in, and, and uh, uh, he, said, he said, hey, Aaron, you know what I'm doing today? I said, no, what are you doing? He said, somebody challenged me to try to take inventory of my thinking for one day. He said, for one day, I got challenged to try to really write out and try to take inventory of where my mind is going. He, he, said, he said, I got a piece of paper here. Every 15, 10, 15 minutes, I've just been writing down what I've been thinking about. And he said, I've been doing it for about, you know, for a few hours since I got up this morning. He looks at me, he goes, Aaron, my brain is out of control. I remember looking at him, I was thinking, if you think your brain's out of control, mine's like out of the universe. He said, you ought to try it. I said, okay, I couldn't remember to do it, you know. <laughs> Folks, Listen. Our brains are like, we're just along for the ride. And in the Bible, we have this, this, this talking, Paul does it, we find it elsewhere, of, of, of bringing our imaginations under control, into captivity. And when it comes to this matter of worry and fear and anxiety, um, folks, it's no wonder we've lost our joy. I mean, just for instance, you've got to study this by yourself, okay? Verse number 8, I challenge you. Let it be a study for the next few days for you. But just take the first one. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever things are true, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true, he says. Now, would you just take that one as an example? He says, think on things that are true. Let me ask you a question. How, many, how much time do we spend worrying about things that just from the onset, they're just not true? Well, they could be, but they're not. I mean, we just get so, I mean, like, have you ever had a daymare? It's a nightmare in the middle of the day. You ever had one? Okay, so here's classic. Okay, so my alarm goes off. I hit my snooze button. Um, nine minutes, nine minutes before my, my, my alarm goes back off. Isn't it amazing how deep back into sleep you can go in those nine minutes? So in those nine minutes, I had a dream. In this dream, um, I dreamed that, that I went to wake up my daughter. She was younger then. This was a, a while back. But um, I went to wake up my daughter, and she was gone. My alarm goes off. Man, I'm wide awake now. I'm laying in the bed, and I start rolling through this scenario of what if. You ever done that? What if? What if she was gone? 
Well, somebody took her. What if they're bad people? What if they have bad plans? Man, I'm rolling. I'm just laying in the bed. I'm a fixer. I got plan A, B, working on C. Folks, we got to build a perimeter. We got 24 hours. I mean, I'm rolling. It, it, it's, it's starting to affect me physically. My heart's beating. I'm kicking covers off. It's getting hot in here. I'm rolling through a scenario of what if. I don't know, eight, nine, maybe ten minutes. I don't know. Folks, it was Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. How many times has it come to my rescue as I just stopped and I prayed and said, God, please help me stop. This is not true. Folks, it's not true. The world, hear me please, the world of the what if is a dangerous world. What if? What if they? What if she? But what if I? But what if? Folks, you will lose your joy living in the world of the what if because it's not the real world. It's a world full of fear and anxiety and worry. Think on things that are true. Um, that's the looking forward, and I'll just mention this. There's also the world of the if only. It's looking back. If only we had have, if only she, if only I would have. The world of the what if and the world of the if only, if you live there, you, you will lose your joy. Because the God whose peace will hold you and keep you lives in the world of the right now. We lose our joy in the midst of hard relationships. We lose our joy in the midst of hard, hard things in life. Let me just mention one more. And this is such a unique passage because we're actually going to skip down to verse number 10. And, and on one side, it's almost like a, he moves into a new paragraph. This is a whole new paragraph. He moves into one of these autobiographical sections. But here we find him presenting himself uh, as an example of the very thing he's talking about. We know where he's at. He's in prison. But listen to what he says. And, and here's the theme and why this is so good for us to see now as an example for the third thing. He says, verse number 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. So there it is. He rejoices. He has joy in the Lord greatly. And he tells us why. Listen. He says that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked, un- but you lacked opportunity. Very confusing. I'm sorry, but it's a very confusing verse. Let me tell you what he's talking about. He's talking about that this church, and he mentions it later in the chapter, had actually sent him some money. Or we don't know if it was money. He, they, he, they had sent him through Epaphras. They had sent him a gift. And he said, I'm rejoicing in the Lord greatly that your care for me has come to the surface again. Apparently they had done it in the past. But he said, it's not that you didn't want to. You just didn't have an, an, an avenue to. They didn't have, you know, uh, overnight, uh, you know, uh, airmail. So, it had come, and they just, it wasn't that they didn't care about him, but they didn't have an opportunity. But then through Epaphras, they did care about him, and it had come to the surface. Now, we don't know how much they sent him, kind of assuming it was money, but it didn't matter how much they sent him. It didn't matter if it was, if it was $20 or $200. The bottom line is Paul is thanking them for caring about him. And he wanted to make sure that it wasn't about the amount, so he says this, verse number 11. Not that I speak, he says, 
in respect of want. Now, the word want is a little, is a little hard for us because it, it actually is a word that means my needs. Um, not that I'm speaking of my needs. Um, he says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith, here it is, to be content. Okay, here's what Paul says. Starting a new paragraph, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that you've, that you've thought about me again. Not that you weren't concerned about me, but you just didn't have an opportunity to send me anything. That's what he said, verse 10. Not that I'm talking about the amount or meeting my needs. He said, I've already learned this, folks. Are you ready? As he sits in prison. He said, I've already learned that no matter where I'm at, no matter what's going on, I've already learned to be content. Let me tell you the third area in which I would love to bring to your attention quickly here at the end. um, That I think we tend to lose our joy. I think we tend to lose our joy in the midst of discontentment. We live in a world, we live in a culture, we live in a country where the things of this world are just coming at us 150,000 miles an hour. And the promise of every commercial you see is that this is going to make life better. And we spend our money, we go after stuff, we, we want the promotion because we can have more money so we can live in a bigger house, so we can drive a better car, so we can go better vacations. It's this culture. It's coming at us so fast. It's coming at us so hard. And the constant promise of this world is this is going to bring you joy. This is going to make things better. This is going to alleviate the problems. This is going to fix it all. And it's coming so fast and so hard. And folks, here's the bottom line. We see people all around us, man. Sometimes we see coworkers. Sometimes we see neighbors. Sometimes we have distant family members at a family reunion that show up, and it just seems like life is just working for them. And it is such a tendency for us to sit back, and in the midst of everything that God has done for us, we can struggle with contentment. And here's what Paul, I think, is challenging these people with. And I think this is the challenge for us here on this last point. Is, is just this. If you spend your life, if you spend your life standing at the fence, looking at the green grass on the other side, you can kiss your joy goodbye. You'll never have it. Because, folks, listen. What if? What if you're just, what if you're just smart? What if you're... Gifted? What if you're talented? What if you just get lucky? What if you make over that fence to chew on that green grass? You know what you were going to find? I promise you. You're going you're gonna to find that off in the distance. Boy, there's another fence over there. And oh my goodness, would you look at the grass on the other side of that one. And if ever you manage your way over that fence, you will only find there's another one. Folks, I remember back, um, back growing up, I, was a, I don't even know if it exists anymore, uh, there was a, a, a TV channel called uh, E! Entertainment Television. I don't even know if that exists anymore. But they used to have a show on there called True Hollywood Stories. They were disastrous. There was another show called The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Disastrous. Have you, ever, have you ever done any research, followed up the stories of people who won sweepstakes and lotteries? 
Folks, it doesn't bring you joy. It has no power. It leaves you empty. Folks, where is joy found? It, where are we going to find it if the world has no clue where it's at? Folks, in the midst of our discontentment, we lose our joy. Here, let me just tell you two things. When it comes to just Paul and his circumstances, I think two things. I think Paul was content with where he was, and he was content with what he had. He follows on and says, not that, he says, not that I speak about my needs. He said, I've learned no matter what situation I'm in, I've, I've, found to be, I've, I've learned to be content. He said, I've, I've had times in my life where I had a lot. I've had times in life where I have nothing, like right now. But he said, it doesn't matter if I have a lot or if I have nothing. I, I have found that I can be content. I can have joy. Um, he was content with where he was, and he was content with what he had. So just real quick, are you content with, with where you are in life? Let me just help you. Are you content with your status in life? Are, are you content? Single right now. Are, are, are you content married? Are you content married to him? To her? Are, are you content widowed right now? I promise you joy, true joy, is not found with a different status. I just promise you. Um, are you content with where you are? Um, are? Are you content with where you work? And folks, I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong to get another job. Better paying job. Bring it. But here's, here's where contentment shows up. Where are you going tomorrow morning? And are you going to see that this is apparently for today is the will of God for me? And so are you going to be content there or are you going to grind? You know that grind all day long? It's discontentment. And I'll meet people who, I mean, I've met people who sit here and I just, you don't understand who I have to deal with at work. And my friend, if joy was found in people... You'd be, in, you'd be in trouble. But joy's not found in the people you have to work with. Joy's found somewhere better. Are you content with where you work? Are you content with where you live? Not, there's nothing wrong with getting another house. Beggar, better house. Bigger house, maybe. I don't know if you can afford it. Sure. But the, 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 here's the question. Where are you going tonight? Where are you going after church today? Where are you going today? And are you going to be content there? Are you going to grind? Folks, are we content with where we are? And then, and then Paul was also content with what he had. Are you content? Okay, let's just talk. Are you content with what you have in life? Are you content with your wardrobe? Or you got to have a little more? You know, what's in, what's in your Amazon cart right now? Are you content? Are you content with your wardrobe? And I'm probably talking a little bit maybe more... For you women, I'm looking at some of you men. You don't care too much, do you? I'm just kind of looking around. <laughs> but okay, are you content with what you drive? You say, oh, no, you didn't. No, I did. I said it. Are you content? Please. 
please tell me we hadn't bought the lie. I know we're in Detroit. I know we're in Motor City. But please tell me we had not bought the lie. That joy is found in a new truck. It's a lie. Surely Jesus who lives inside of you has convinced you that's not true. So what do we do? Folks, where do we go? Because I'm telling you, everywhere we turn, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our, whether it's in our, our, our hard circumstances, whether it's just in our culture that's coming towards us so fast and so hard with, no, this is what's going to make you happy. No, this is what's going to satisfy your soul. No, this is what's going to bring you joy and everything. Paul, I'm telling you, God could not have picked a better person to say this to us as he sits in prison with nothing and he's on top of the world. Paul says, I can do this. Paul says, I can do this. Verse 13, how? Through Christ who strengthens me. It's through Christ. What's the answer? It's Christ. He's the one who opened that scroll. He's the one who is worthy. He is the only one who could rescue us. And it's through him, Paul says, that he can do this. He can have nothing. You see, folks, here's the question. Do you have Christ? Because Jesus Christ is a game changer. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ changes everything. I mean, maybe you're sitting here and you're listening to me today and you say, Aaron, you can talk your talk, but you have no clue what it's like to live the way I live. You have no clue what it's like to have to live with who I have to live with, to work with the people I have to work with. You have no clue. And I'm sure I don't. I'm not going to pretend for a second I do. But I'm going to tell you something. Paul, who's writing this, is in prison and he has nothing. And my friend, through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone, we can. Now listen what that means. You take an average unsafe person of this world and they had to live with who you have to live with. They can forget it. They'll never have joy. But sister, you can. Because Jesus changes everything. You take the average dude in this world. He has to work where you have to work. With the pressure you have to deal with. With the demands you have to deal with, with the people you have to deal with, there's no way he could have joy. Granted. But not you, sir. Because you actually have the source of true joy living right inside of you if you're a Christian. Folks, you you take the average person in this world, and listen, I don't want to be real careful here. You take the average person in this world and maybe they cannot handle the pain you handle on a daily basis in your body and still have joy. But sir, you can. Because Jesus Christ changes 
everything. Now, folks, listen, when I talk about joy, I'm not talking about this giddy, happy-go-lucky, all kicks and giggles, never a tear. No, there may be tears flowing down your face on a nightly basis, man, because the pain hurts so bad. But I'm telling you, the joy that Paul's talking about, it's on another level. It holds you. It keeps you. It keeps your eyes fixed on the end of this story. Do you have Christ? Then, my friend, you can have joy. You know, I I get concerned because sometimes I think that the reason why our children sometimes grow up and walk away from the faith is in their hearts they're saying, well, you know what, that Jesus, he never brought my parents any joy. So why would I think that he would bring me joy? Hey, parents, we are walking, living testimonies every single day. May this Jesus be our joy in the midst of parenting. May this Jesus be our joy in the midst of our pain and suffering. May this Jesus be our joy. Is he your joy today? Hey, you know, overall I'm speaking to believers today because Paul was writing this to believers. But maybe you're here today and you you don't know Christ. Maybe you don't have him. Maybe he's not your joy. Maybe you don't have any joy. Oh, you're trying. You're on the roller coaster of life. Maybe you win the lottery. You'll sense some kind of joy. Maybe you get a new job. Maybe you start dating. Maybe things are looking good. There's a semblance of joy. But folks, this life is a roller coaster. And this roller coaster rolls for everybody. Christians are on this same roller coaster. But our joy isn't found on this roller coaster. There's something else that our joy is found in. It's found in Christ. Hey, if you're here without Christ, would you please turn to him? Would you please let us introduce you to somebody who will change your life, save your soul, change your eternity? Come and dwell within you. Change you from the inside out. Forgive you of your sins. If you were here without Christ today, I don't know who's here. But if you were here without Christ today, would you please come talk to me afterwards? Come talk to Pastor. He's going to be back in the back greeting folks. I'll be around. I'll be hobbling around. I'd love, to, I'd love to sit down and open a Bible and show you how this Jesus Christ will change your life. Please, if you were here without Christ, turn to him. Hey, Christian, maybe you need to run to him afresh and anew because God has opened your eyes today to the fact that you've lost your joy. In the midst of hard relationships, in the midst of hard circumstances, in the midst of a culture that's just so teasing you with joys over here and happiness is over here and satisfactions over here, that you've lost, you've lost your direction. Would you run to Jesus? Here's what I'd love to do. I don't know how you are. Personally, when I hear preaching and God's at work in my heart, and I don't know if If he's at work in your heart today, I I, I hope this hasn't just been my words. I hope that I've helped you see God and his truth and his words. But I, 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 I need to respond to him.
I personally just love to have a minute to pray when I'm when I'm when I hear preaching and God's at work in my heart. So I'd love for somebody just to step to the piano for just a minute. We're going to do this quick, but we're just going to have one verse. But you know what, folks? While while she plays, can we just reflect? Can we just respond? Just in our hearts, right where we're at. Maybe you just need to say, God, would you forgive me? I'm so full of worry and fear. God, would you forgive me? My children don't see joy. God, would you forgive me? I'm so caught up in the things of this world. I'm not content. I need to run to you. God, would you help me? Can we just take a minute to reflect and respond and come to him? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the piano plays, I'll close in just a moment. Father, would you please help us to rejoice in you always. And again, you've told us to rejoice. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Pastor, brother, I think it's you. We're going to respond by singing a song that says, Yet not I, but through Christ to me. What gift of grace, it says, is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. Let's stand together as we declare this truth together. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. 
ministry to us this weekend. What a blessing. You've directed our attention to Jesus, and we're grateful for that. Thank you for being here today. Just a quick reminder, there's a VBS meeting happening in the cafe, I believe, right after dismissal, and then no community group tonight. We hope they have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you back next Sunday morning for Father's Day. God bless you. Are dismissed. Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And He loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. 
The Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ and eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.